I thought also worth like uh What? I missed something? Yeah, well your your delivery the delivery was a little a little different than how I might have did it. But Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Herbal Synergies the Shop. I'm your host, Sinji, with me as always. Irby. What's up, good listeners? What's up with you, Irby? You know, the usual. Living life. Life trying to live me. Hey, London, at this time around. No, nah, it's definitely living me, dog. <laughs> Ain't much I can do about that. Sir, I... I don't know if I have a flavor this week. You know, happens to the best of us. I got a moment I enjoyed, you know. Care to share? Yeah, it was, a. Uh... The Jutsu Kaisen when um what's his name? Fumahiko Takiba was like, You've activated my trap card. <laughs> and, it, and he turned uh Kajaku into Bandit Keith. <laughs> I was like, Oh that's that's gold. That's pretty funny. I like that. Yeah, so <laughs> that's my little flavor flav. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. Noise, mm-hmm. noise. All right. Well, without further ado, let's kick it off with some liar, liar. Episode eleven. Yes, eleven, guys. If this is our normal season, next episode is the finale. I mean, it depends on the normal season because some of them have twenty some episodes. If it's a twelve episode, yeah, if it's twelve, but. The ones I watch normally go to like 20. You know what? If this was a 12... 12 is too soon for like what we're trying to do, I guess. In this show. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's Maybelline. Anyways. Episode 11. Soldiers and Friends. Hidato is back in the game. And the manager who was conspiring and scheming and using Noah. He wasn't happy about it. Um, our crew had about has about 20 players on our side, while theirs had about 14. 100 faces, we learned, had access to a bunch of illegal help and, for some reason, 999 hit points. Um, the plan was to use the demon samurai chick... To use her one-shot kill on 100 faces. And we end up in a two teams versus one team situation. And the one team had a demon lady chained up. But once they took out two people, she was unchained and like eliminated one of our guys right away. Uh, the bickering couple surprised demon girl and like was on the offensive. They got the best of her for a while, and um, after a brief talking with her, she ended up joining our team to 
take down Hunter Faces. She was compelled to our side by the mention of her friend who helped out Hirito in the bonus game, where I guess what it was called. Yeah. Um. They run into the Black Star and the Vampire Dude. And the Black Star apparently lets you combine spells. Um, he made uh a bow attack. Yeah, he made a black magic sword and did a slash attack that Yuki blocked and like but she I think she had like one hit point left when she blocked it. The press ended up stalling for time for uh so that Hidato could come up with a strategy and Yuki used a replacement ability and Hidato used the magic ended up using the magic slash. Uh Hidato said something about it being a a now move. I wish I didn't watch this two weeks ago. Mm. I would actually remember some of it. Yeah, because you, you kind of, you know, glossed over a bunch of stuff. Oh, I was going to gloss over a bunch of things anyway. This is I'm just reading straight off my notes. <laughs> ah, that's what we have Irby here for. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like he deserved a round of applause for that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um... Um, stop. <laughs> I can't think now. Uh, Yuki's replacement was from blah blah blah. New move, and then said, So Hirito took the, took the move and apparently made it better. What the hell are you doing? And he called it the magic blade unseen. And it looked like a lightning bolt just came down and eliminated blue hair girl. And the Black Star dude said that wasn't his trump card. And he brought out dual wielding and eliminated the bickering couple really quick. Noah sacrificed herself and binded the guy. But he broke out of that right away. Vampire dude was apparently on our side the whole time. And backstabbed uh, the Black Star guy. Uh, Yuki also sacrificed herself for Hirito. And in the end, it was Hirito and the vampire guy. And the vampire guy shot himself. Hundred Faces didn't die to the plan. She actually, I think, eliminated the Demon Maiden. And just when it looked like she was about to do in Rena, time ran out. And she was saved by the bell, quite literally. Saved by the bell. Now, Irby, if you would, the honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. So, um, let's see here. Yeah, you know, the bell starts to mobilize some stuff. Uh, his combo attack spell. I think he got the idea from the guy that he was fighting, and. He also ended up taking the sword from the guy using the replacement skill. Mm-hmm. So that was worth noting in that. I said that. I said Yuki used the replacement skill. Mm, I'm not sure you did. But I right. did. 
we'll we'll have to progress against that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's it. Not much. Carry on my way. It takes a son. takes a kill shot, but it doesn't work at the end. So. Yeah. All right. Not much there with the liar liar. Pants so, on fire. I'm gonna go with the legendary hero is dead. Season one, episode six. The legendary hero is a woman. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the title doesn't make much sense in this uh, episode. Till later. So they all regroup, and they 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 go to the mansion that everyone's staying at. And the two the two bad guys from before are there, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, aren't you the the people from over there, Ladi Dadi?" And they try to convince people that they have to kill Yuna. And I'm like, "Oh man, y'all sh- cheeky devils should have some nerve." And so. Uh, Henri, she does a special move because Yuno's freaking out. She's turned into a zombie like Resident Evil. And I was like, oh no, they got the killer, but they're not going to kill her. Yeah. So apparently, Henri discovers that there's a soul on her spell because she essentially turned into a, a puppet like necromancy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I thought she actually cured her, but she didn't. So, there's a spell on the soul, and they they're gonna like soul possessed. Toka's gonna be like, "Hey, I'll I'll take her soul, and I could be in her body while we figure this out." And the legendary hero's body just goes like autopilot while he's in doing this. And this is, <laughs> I was like, "Really, my guy." So he switches into her body and immediately starts checking her out and rubbing thighs like, yeah, these use a nice pair of stockings. So I'm like, okay, my man. He's like, all are going. To it could be worse. Plan. Yeah. He just has a stocking fetish. Yeah, all going to plan is what he says. And then he's like, oh well, you know, I'm kind of dirty, so I'm gonna give her a bath. And, and they're like, oh no way, sir. We're gonna blindfold you, and take you and bathe you but which is kind of crazy because what is she like fully like naked in like an earlier uh episode which she, i think yes. she was tied up in the dungeon so it's like eh, not nothing he hadn't seen before but still i can understand how they want to give a little bit of modesty to her which is okay so they blindfold and wash her and they finally go to bed and they're gonna leave him alone with her but then they were like, nope, we're sleeping in here, and they tie him up. But he, he's like, yeah, my chance, and he doesn't get his chance. Nope. So. Dwarded. Yeah, they are more trustworthy. They, they bind him while he sleeps. And then while they're sleeping, the devil breaks down the wall. And my girl, Marguerite, she has a, a spell enhancing bow, so she's able to shoot, like, frosted arrows at all the devils and intruders. And so then they decided to go to a different room because the mansion was infiltrated. 
And my man Toka, he possesses some awareness here and he uses a stone to find the devils. So he, he finds the devils and then they start discussing a plan of action. Then the devils attack them. I'm like, man, oh man. And so the devil can explode things with with his touches. And he, I forgot who he touched first, but he touched something and it blew up. And that's how they figured. And then he went to go touch Marguerite. And I was like, oh no. But she didn't blow up. She just used a substitution jutsu and it shrugged out of her cape. So. She just used so a then, substitution jutsu. Yeah. He's like, boop, I'm out. Substitution. So. So then they're fighting the devil, and they almost knock it out. And then the main devil comes back and juices up the devil that they're fighting, so that it's going to be harder. And so this part was uh, an interesting part right here. They tried to, Henri tries to get the legendary hero's body to use the the sword, but it can't. And Toka's like, oh, give it here, because he's in Yuna's body still. It's like, all you got to do is think about this, this, and this. And he extends it and essentially slices through the devil to everyone. And I'm like, oh, man, that's interest, interesting how he could do it with her, but can't do it with him, himself. And well, then... Maybe because um, Necromancer Girl is, like, pumping her full of mana to keep her in that state. No, because uh, he's possessing uh, her now. Maybe because yeah. her modern base levels is just higher than his. Like he knows how to use it, he just doesn't have access to it. Yeah. So. Uh. So he slices it, and then everyone realizes that he's in Yuna's body, and they're like, "Oh my god! Wow! I didn't think that would happen. I had no idea." And so, uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Did you watch the credits? No, I don't watch credits. They spoil. You need to you need to watch the credits because that's the only reason why this episode title makes sense. So, um, so yeah. So what happens at the end? It's a legendary hero shows up and she's a woman. So I was like, oh, I was like, it, it didn't make any sense before any of this, but now it makes sense because she's a woman. Well, I thought that made sense because the legendary here was in Nuna. Um, maybe. And therefore, but, technically a woman. But but the legendary hero is, is dead if you want to follow that logic already. So so by that, no one could be a hero. Nope. But I, so it's his, it's his body is what I'm saying. I can't be your hero, baby. Right, that's enough. Thank you, thank you. You're all too kind. Uh, this is or this one. How dare you? That one is also apt. Yeah. Enjoy some wildlife. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense now. So next episode should be pretty good. I'm thinking the same thing on villain. Villain's gonna be terrible. Hey man, it got a little slow, but it's gonna pick up. It's always slow. Nah, it's not. Yeah. Speaking of villain, episode fifteen after 
Yule. I don't know what that means. It's after Christmas. Oh. The nice. Yule Tides. Never heard of it. Never yeah. heard the saying. But Floki is updating King Swain on Canute and his overall thoughts are and the King Swain's overall thoughts are that Canute has been if Canute has been as talented as his brother, he might not have ended up missing. Um since winter is coming, Thorkill is thinking he should have given Canute to the English for more entertainment. So now that the winter's come, the war's slowing down and now he's bored. Um, and then he learns that the English are actually ready to just surrender the throne to King Swain to end the war in total. So his plan really went belly under. Canute, uh, Ragnar, and the priests were praying for forgiveness. And at some point, uh, the priest just started, quite, like his prayer just turned into like, out and Canute actually raised his voice and told him stop like you can't doubt the father a father's love for his children and like walked away and he kind of like seemed to surprise the orphan a little bit but uh thief girl did end up warning people about Askeladd and his crew and the word spread to Thorkill who got excited again because he realized that the people she was talking about had to be Asclad, and that meant Thorfinn and Prince Canute was nearby. Um, Asclad's own crew is, along with Ragnar, realizing that Asclad's luck is running out. Like, the too many unfortunate things are happening. Uh, Thorfinn walks by with a rabbit, and Ragnar is... Wanted wanted to bum off the rabbit, which I, I ended up being a smart decision, I guess. Storfin was just gonna eat the rabbit itself, but he got a nice stew out of it, prepared by your very own princess-looking Prince Canute, who looked even more like a princess with his hair tied up. Now, while eating and Ragnar and Canute just talking about cooking and how like King Swain, when Canute first cooked for him. He like threw the food on the ground. It's like a prince shouldn't be cooking. He should be acting like a king, not doing slave people work. So cooking became a hobby for Canute. It was like a secret hobby that he couldn't really do too often. Um, there was footsteps approaching the door. Thorfinn was really slit someone, ready to slit someone's throat, but realized asked last people who told Ragnar that. English people found them, and battle broke out. That's when Ragnar demanded to talk to Askeladd, and they were like, well, Askeladd's on the battlefront. If you want to talk to him, you have to come up here. But that in itself was a trap, because they just stabbed Ragnar in the stomach with a spear. Um, he ended up requesting an audience with Prince, uh, with Askeladd to reveal that there is a power struggle going on right now in the kingdom of Denmark. They know King Swain's going to st uh, step down. So there's a group of people who want Prince Canute to be the king and a group of people who want his brother Harald to be the king. And that the king himself, Swain, doesn't want Denmark to be split. So Ragnar, I think this is all speculation. I don't think he really has proof of it, but he said that the king is prepared to lose one of his sons to keep Denmark 
a hole. And that's why he brought Prince Canute to the battlefield, even though he had no battle experience. So Prince Canute's real enemies is probably King Swain himself. And right before he died, Askeladd was like, you should have said that soon. You should have said that earlier. It kind of like interferes with his plans. And uh, Ragnar asked to see Canute one more time. And Askeladd was like, no. Boom. End of episode. Yeah. I thought also worth like... uh, What? I missed something? Yeah, well, your your delivery the delivery was a little a little different than how I might have did it, but how the faith or let's see here. So that they're they're preparing to leave, and this is when he tells Bjorn, uh, it's time to take care of that second problem." I was like, "Oh." the other issue and I was like what's the other problem what's going on well I think I think it's I think it was Ragnar it was Ragnar yeah because the I know I'm just saying I would have I would have you know built up the suspense the plan the plan was to from what it seems uh, Ascalat's plan was to use Ragnar's death to force Prince Canute to grow into a man yeah. But still what uh Ragnar revealed at the end put a dan- uh put a put a bump in the road. On the road again. Better 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 on the road again. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. I would just built a little suspense, you know. A little bit. They killed my man, they led him away from the battlefield he said, hey the fighting's going on over there why are we over here and that's it's when like, yo you're slow dog he reached for a sword and got stabbed but yeah the, the the girl that escaped told him about the annihilation of the village and Thorkel's gonna attack and the king wanted to kill one of the sun which is always um one of the things because when you have two heirs or two eligible kids it's like oh you you have to Pick one or the other, and that always leads to conflict. In but some it's usually regard. supposed to be the oldest. Yeah, it's supposed to be. But if you have two, what's the word? Two kids that might have like equal valor or distinguished, or one's more for the people. They they could pick them. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I can see that because I have read some uh, literature where they do that. Where the youngest, the older one thinks the youngest one might take their position because they're they're capable of doing that. So, yeah, that was it. So, uh-huh. gonna kill him, gonna kill him, and now on to Reign of the Seven Spellblades, season one, episode eight. So the kiddos are in the school. They're looking at students. They're playing broom sports. I'm like, oh, look at the Quidditch go. And so then we get this hot-headed new new kid that shows up. Well, I don't know if he's new. He's probably been here for a while. But this is the first time we have seen this particular fellow. 
Tulio Rossi. He shows up to talk. And he's like, oh, I know so much about you already. And he's like, oh, yeah, and now she has too much talent. And everyone loves her. And yada, yada, yada. Just typical macho. I got to be an antagonist to the main character, Bravado, going on. And so class starts, Pete and Tulio, they have to spar. And I feel like there's something like something there with those two that you couldn't couldn't quite put my finger on until later in the episode. And so he gets Pete swinging madly and missing, and he defeats him pretty pretty easy. You know, he swung and he missed, and he called him Miss Princess. <laughs> and then he tells the boy that he's always hiding behind his friends. Like, how do you ever expect to be strong? I was like, hmm. He definitely has a point there, my guy. Pete is always being taken care of. You might as well call him Peach. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It, he doesn't want to be taken care of, though. Like, he tries to do it on his own, but, like, he's so stubborn. And, like, I, I actually think his lack of depending on his friends is preventing his growth. What gives you that conclusion? Because he doesn't, he's so like standoffish and wants to do it on his own that like, he's not, he's, he's, he's prioritizing individual like independency over potential growth through help. Like how, um, like when, Oliver had to save him from the exploding chemical. Like he said, he had it on his own and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then how, like, he he lacks the experience on the sword where, like, everyone helps each other. But after he lost, that's when he wanted to have help with, like, Oliver from Oliver. Interesting. So, like, I think he's growing into... Like I, th- I think it's the opposite. I think he's gonna be better once he starts relying on his friends more. Hmm. We shall see. Yes. But anyhow, so jump the gun a little there, a little bit. After after said defeat, my boy Pete asked him for help, and then this is where they argue about the training methods because uh, Shelley wants to teach him attack stuff and Oliver's like you got to know the basics where you can even move on and this that and the other and so they come to a compromise Oliver will teach defense and Shelly will teach offense and he does this distance judging thing where you where you do a spell or a sword and which is kind of practical like like if you wanted to put in modern terms it's like a knife in a gunfight because within 15 feet, uh, a knife is better, but over 15 feet, it's like a, it's, you know, pull your gun out, is what they say. Mm-hmm. Forgot, because, yeah, because, you know, self, self-defense classes teach that. So, I was like, yeah, that's sense. So, spells is the, the trigger, and a sword is a knife. And then we find out that Tulio wants to train Pete it's like, why? 
And then he gets into his whole spill about he wants to find out who's the strongest first year that there ever was that lived. I'm like, oh, man, really? Why my guy? So he calls out the cafeteria to join, and people agree to fight. And they give out medals, and pretty much you just challenge anybody that you would like to. And if you win, you gain their medal. And you get four medals, and once you lose all four, you're out. Four strikes and you're out at this old ball game. So. Yeah. I'm going to give that a clap because that was great. The people loved it. <laughs> I'm sure they're raving in their seats. Yeah. So then it's the most medals after a week is the winner. And right off the bat, Hurricane Evelyn challenges Nanao. Nanao wins pretty easily. She does that little sword Cutting through maneuver. the spell thing, yeah. She didn't much cut through it as much as she, like, redirected it away from her. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, oh, she's getting better at the craft. It looks so effortless for her. And then so, Miss Course tells him that he's invited for tea somewhere. Oh, that this course is the his bodyguard that watches over Oliver. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. So when he gets there, Salvadori is in the labyrinth, and also Athelia shows up, and they talk shop and ask he she asks him about the Garuda and what would you like this any other, and then she tells him stop going on adventures and stick to the school building instead of the labyrinth and and they meet and they start talking about some more stuff finally gets his tea and he talks about Nana and her spell blade and how special she is to him and he essentially gives like how how they're like oh Naruto just has like that certain je ne sais quoi about him and just makes you want to be there for her and support her this that and the other and I'm like oh okay that seems pretty pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, interesting. Indeed. Bad, indubitably. So proceed. Yeah, and he, and so Salvatore tells Oliver not to lose those feelings in his heart and keep keep on to them because I think, in in a way, it's going to keep him grounded. To, to her, I guess one would say, or keep him from being total darkness, kind of like how Sasuke turned. Mm-hmm. So, and then Oliver leaves, and Tulio challenges Oliver to a fight. It's a pretty good fight, and Tulio's like, "I like to fight dirty and this, that, and the other." And he hates Oliver because he has a training and this, that, and he's getting the attention. And my boy Oliver's like, eight moves from now, you'll lose. And I was like, oh, okay. My man's going to make him lose in eight moves from now. I was like, all right. I'm loving it. Loving your style. Chit, chit, chit. So, Checking you out. So it was when eight moves, he did it. Kind of like how Mike got, I was like, oh, the hundredth move is going to be this move. And then he proceeds to give my boy a lecture, tells him to practice and pick a style to choose. And he's like, I kind of envy you because you, you're 
good at what you do without any training and this, that, and the other. I was like, oh, man. So he walks out. And then Tulio gets challenged by, I forget his name, but he got challenged. And I'm like, oh, man. So there's that. It's going to be a good boring burner right there. I bet Tulio loses because he just finished a fight. So there's no hope for him there on that one. Yeah, Oliver could come back around. And help him when it's been like a challenge duel? Yeah, why not? That's not the rules. It's one-on-one fights, my guy. Did they specify that? I don't remember. They did. You never remember anything. Oh, then he's screwed. He's gonna... He's gonna lose. He's gonna lose. And peruse the loser's valley. Unless he actually does know the styles and was being too stubborn to use them and then decides to take Oliver's advice and implement them. Well, I doubt it. Yeah. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't want to lose to Oliver, so he would just use them in the fight. Nah, man. People, stubborn people do dumb things. Mm, speaking from experience? Yes, sir. Mm, I know. But yeah, so, um, yeah, that's it. That's it for that. Good episode. I'm excited to see what comes up next. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, finish off the Jutsu. There's only one chapter that had substance. The other one kind of could kick rocks. So this is when the discussion plans to attack Kenjaku before the fight ends with between Gojo and Sukuna and Kenjaku still wants the merger to happen and the one woman nominated Fumihiko Takiba to fight him for some reason and they did they they started to save it and they did that typical trope where it's like oh we'll tell you at a later time mm-hmm. and so this is where my flavor came in with Takiba was fighting was like oh you activated my trap card he turned into Bandit Keith <laughs> but then he was like why are you still still trying to do this and Kajaka's like oh I'm just intellectually curious as to what will happen if he just merges everything and we also find out that uh, uh, Fumahiko's ability can waver if he doesn't have the confidence and certainty in his jokes so I'm like oh my guy you got to be real confident a flaw. Yeah. So, but then the next episode is essentially his backstory. So. Yeah. Not much to read there. If you wanna, if you wanna read, you can. It's it's an interesting read, but I, I ain't mad at it. Now nah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I hear you, brother. Anything yeah. else worth uh, noting on your end? Nope. Got nothing. Got nothing on you, baby. Nothing on you. You might say hi, and I might say hey. You shouldn't worry about what they say. Yeah, we gotta stop. Copyright. No, I, I, I didn't even say it. You, you kept going. Not me, my guy. Copyright infringement. 
that was all you all right that's a that was a short one guys hope you enjoyed like comment subscribe and we'll catch you on the next one peace peace